0: reminded you last week that Hebrews was written to persuade uh, the the Jewish people who had become Christians that the Christian way of thinking was not a new cult, it was not cultic, uh, but it was the new mainstream. Uh, It was written especially to the church in Jerusalem and they were undergoing uh, intense persecution. There were a group known as the Judaizers in the church. And they were teaching that people had to convert to Judaism, convert back to, uh, to what the Jews were teaching, uh, before they could experience all of the benefits, uh, that God had for them. Christian thinking was fine, but they needed the added, the addition, uh, of, uh, of what they were teaching as Judaizers. And so Hebrews was written, uh, to, uh, to debate that, to combat that, if you like. Uh, it was a very attractive possibility to return to Judaism for, these, uh, for the church in Jerusalem because they were undergoing some really intense persecution at the time and, to, and some of that persecution, not all of it, but some of it was a result of them being seen as very different uh, to the Jewish faith if they could return to the Jewish faith in some way and hold on to their, their their Christian teachings as well, it was probably quite an attractive alternative because it was seen that it may stop at least some of the persecution. And so Hebrews uh, had, its, uh, had its task uh, set out for it. It was a difficult task. It was addressed to, uh, to Jewish audiences who were deeply entrenched in Hebrew thought and who were struggling uh, to feel faithful to their, ro- to their roots, to their Jewish roots, in the adoption of the way as Christianity was known at that time. And so last week we saw uh, the, uh, the core of the Hebrew religion was addressed through the introduction of Jesus Christ as a high priest and as Hebrew says in the order of Melchizedek who offered himself as a sacrifice to end all sacrifices and that's what we looked at last week. Uh, this week, continuing on uh, from those verses, uh, we see that we look at some teaching on maturity, some wonderful teaching on what maturity is all about. And this became a very important part of the argument against uh, what the Judaizers in the church uh, were, were talking about. Before we get into it, let's read the verses. Uh, it's uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, and uh, going through to chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews five, eleven. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move forward... Uh, Sorry, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, and structuring about uh, cleansing rites and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end it will be burned." Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Uh, some uh, pretty strong teaching in some ways on maturity. Uh, One of the ways to look at the Christian faith and its teachings in contrast to the Hebrew faith that this book is setting out was in the context of maturing, of growing up, of moving beyond. Uh, To accept the teachings of Christ was a step forward in maturity is the argument of the book of Hebrews as being laid out in this passage. It wasn't denying the importance of the Old Testament. It wasn't denying the importance of, of Hebrew teaching in any way. But it was seeing that the new teachings were the next step on a pathway of maturity as laid out in Hebrews. And this comes out clearly in the passage that I've just uh, just read and the, that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, it deals with, first of all, the context of maturing. What sort of context do you set up uh, to help people move? Uh, along the pathway of maturity, the context of maturing and then uh, what are the things that are likely to stifle that pathway of maturity what can actually uh, cause us to be become uh, uh, stagnated along the pathway and then uh, what are the characteristics of maturity what, what should we be looking for And then what are the means of maturing? I'm not sure if we'll get through all of that, but that's what the passage has uh, as we read those verses. What's the context of maturing? What sort of environment will it happen in, best of all? What are some of the things that will stifle that maturing? What are the characteristics of maturing that we should look for? And what are the means? How How do we actually do it? Now, as I thought about this in in preparation throughout the week, I thought this is a great passage for Mother's Day and I'm glad that it's falling on today uh, because we celebrate the role of mothers in the maturing of children. Uh, One of the most wonderful things that mothers do is maturational. It is helping children grow uh, along a pathway of maturity and we'll pick that theme up as we go through uh, these verses. I'm not sure that Hebrews had mothers in mind when, uh, when uh, this book was being written, but we certainly will this morning. So first of all, what sort of a context uh, needs to be set up? What sort of environment needs to be set up for maturing? Where will it most likely take place? And this is really important for us as a church. What sort of environment do we want to set up so that people will be more likely to mature? will be more likely to move along a pathway of maturity and it's certainly important for mums and and in the home um, what sort of uh, an environment uh, do we want to set up and the the context that's talked about in this passage is the context of encouragement and affirmation I'll read verses uh, 9 and 10 of chapter 6 to you again even though we speak like this dear friends we're convinced of better things in your case the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Uh, Hebrews, these verses have a bit of some, some negative stuff to say about the people. You know, you haven't grown up yet is basically what they're saying. Uh, you're not maturing. You need milk and you should be uh, on solid food. And so it would have been pretty discouraging but the context that is being set up is, well, no, don't be discouraged. Because in your case it's different. I know that it's going to be different. It's an affirmation. It's a, it's a context of encouragement. The people are in danger of giving up all that they've come to know, of giving up what it is uh, to be uh, a Christian and giving up what it is to be in the church. And Hebrews concentrates on what they can be encouraged for. You need to be encouraged because God knows and God God knows what you've been doing and God understands what you're going through. So it's a context of encouragement. This theme of encouragement actually runs right through the book of Hebrews. Uh, if we had time this morning we could pick out a whole number of passages throughout the, uh, the, the, the book of Hebrews uh, that are uh, set in the context of encouragement, set in the context of affirmation. It culminates probably in Hebrews chapter 10 in some verses that I think you're, you're probably uh, well aware of uh, where it says, uh, don't neglect the meeting together. Uh, as some are in the habit of doing, so you see the rot was already setting in, uh, in in Jerusalem. The rot was already setting in in that some of the church were, some of the people were giving up. <coughs> some of them were were uh, uh, deciding not to meet together anymore. And uh, and so Hebrew says, don't don't. Uh, stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encourage one another, meet together to encourage one another and to affirm one another. That's the context for discipleship. That's the context for helping people to grow on the pathway of maturity. Exhorting people to gather for the purpose of encouraging one another is the the, the passage there in Hebrews chapter 10. Encouragement is an essential context for maturing to take place uh, whether it be on the sports field or art pieces and I'm thinking of mums now um, uh, art pieces brought home from school uh, to encouraging a child in, uh, in, in math homework uh, to the ability to handle negative emotions all of that the context of encouragement and affirmation uh, needs to be set up and I think mums are champions at this Uh, my mum certainly was and my wife certainly is and uh, I I think mums are champions at at setting up a context of encouragement and affirmation you can do this, come on let's do it together and you know you're the best basketballer that I've seen today sort of idea (laughs) setting up context of uh, of encouragement and affirmation Um, we should all be champions of encouragement we can learn from what Hebrews is saying here about encouraging people We're going through some hard times and we can learn from mums around us uh, to be people of encouragement, to be people of affirmation, getting alongside one another, especially in the hardest of times, uh, to be encouraging and affirming. Hebrews is doing this to help the church grapple with the stress that they are under and they're under a lot of stress and they need some encouragement. They don't need to be just told off, (laughs) they need some encouragement. And, and we all fit into that. We can all relate to that, you know. Remembering when we were kids and our mums and dads encouraged us and all the way through to today needing some affirmation and encouragement from people. We all need it. And if we don't have the context of encouragement and affirmation, I reckon that's going to be much more difficult for people to move along the pathway of maturity. So what are the things then that are likely to stifle us in that maturity? Certainly the lack of encouragement will. But what are some of the other things? Well, there's a few things mentioned in these verses. Uh, stagnation is, is the, uh, the first one. The, uh, the, the growth toward maturity can be stifled by stagnation and infantilism sets in. So in other words, immaturity sets in. Hebrews describes uh, what this looks like in faith development and it's characterised by such things as no longer trying to understand. You would have picked up some of these things in chapter 5 verses 11 to 13 and 6 verses 1 and 2. So those few verses uh, have some of the things that stifle us like no longer trying to understand. Now, If you just give up and no longer I want the knowledge. Um, in uh, uh, still needing to be reminded of really basic things is another thing that uh, Hebrews says stifles you in the pathway of maturity. It's likened to drinking milk when solids are much more appropriate. So you know, you think of a child and, and uh, a child who is not yet weaned and is on is on milk as. Uh, the whole diet that's fine no problem with that there's no infantilism there there's no immaturity there that's appropriate for the age but there comes a stage in a child's physical uh, and cognitive development where solids are needed and that's a bit of a concern if solids, are, if the child doesn't move into solids at an appropriate age. And that's the picture that Hebrews is drawing here, saying, um, milk—you know—teaching that is likened to milk was fine at a particular time, but you—you you, you should have moved beyond that. It says, and so they've become stagnated in their growth and, and in their maturity. Uh, People stagnate along the pathway to maturity, I think, for several reasons. Now, some of them are emotionally traumatised. Uh, others are not getting the type of nurture uh, that they need for growth. And others are much more interested in other things. I don't want to grow along this pathway anymore because it takes work. The role of motherhood, I think, is one that naturally recognises stagnation along the way whether it's physical or emotional or cognitive or spiritual and they seem especially equipped to be able to do the right thing uh, to address that stagnation and I think all of us can learn uh, from this when it's being practised well to notice when people have stopped growing uh, to notice when people have stagnated and to address the causes of the stagnation Uh, that's what Hebrews are saying to the church in Jerusalem at this time well, stagnation is one thing in a halting in our pathway of growth to maturity, but then there 's falling away and chapter six verses four to six uh, deal with this in some rather difficult verses to uh, to understand and to to unwrap entirely but stagnation is, is one thing falling away is quite another it 's much harder uh, to deal with it 's much more a decision that i 'm giving up it 's not just stagnating it 's not just tripping up it 's falling over and deciding. I'm I'm giving up. I'm no longer going to grow in this pathway of maturity. Hebrews deals with this uh, in these verses in relation to what might be seen as spiritual apostasy uh, where the person has tasted all that God has for them and has decided that this is not the way. They've tasted uh, the goodness of God. They've tasted salvation. They've tasted the Holy Spirit. They've tasted all that God has for them and they make a decision, this is not the way. And they give it up and, uh, and Hebrews says they won't be able to find the way back because that's all there is. There is no other way uh, to, uh, to, to maturity. The pathway to maturity is laid out. The pathway to growth is laid out. And if they decide that that's not the pathway that they're looking for, that that's not the pathway to beyond, then they, they, they fall off and they've rejected the truth and they're looking for it elsewhere. Hebrews is written to people who are in danger of doing this. They haven't done it, but they're in danger of doing it. And Hebrews uh, draws attention to this problem of falling away. In human growth and development, uh, this seems to be the person who decides that uh, all that they have been taught about life and about maturity is wrong. And they decide to, to live a life of immaturity as the right way to live. All of what you've taught me mum, uh, all of the things that you've shown me how to live and the maturity and and what maturity is all about, I've made a decision that's not for me anymore and I stop, I decide to go a different direction. That's the equivalent I think in human growth and development of what Hebrews is talking about here in faith development and spiritual development. Uh, this can be seen in examples um, ranging from uh, all, all sorts of things in life, right-wing fundamentalism all the way through to life of life of drugs and disengagement from the world and so forth. These things can be um, uh, factors that cause people to decide i'm giving up. I'm no longer going to be on that way, and they fall away from the pathway of maturation. Such lostness is the ache that never goes away in a mother's heart. When a mother has experienced that sort of thing, it's an ache in the heart. And the, the, there's a longing, isn't there? There's a longing that one day the light will be seen and the prodigal will return. The prodigal will decide once again, yes, this is the way. Uh, but it's an ache on the heart, and not only of mums, but of dads and, and of people who are involved, with people who have chosen to fall away and chosen to go a different direction that we can just see is killing them it's an ache on the heart and we long for those people to come back and of course the return is just absolutely wonderful as it was in the story of the prodigal son so we pray and we long for that so what stifles us in the pathway of maturity well stagnation does uh, falling away does lostness and then in verse 12 it talks about laziness we don't want you to be lazy and I think laziness is probably the thing that most often stops us from the pathway of maturity. The Hebrews mentions this, a person just can't be bothered with the work involved in growing up. He uh, mentions it in 6.12, it's, it's probably uh, the number one reason we see spiritual and human immaturity around us. People stagnate along the pathway because they are lazy uh, we feel we, we see this in people around us and sometimes in our kids but, and, and probably with good reason but uh, here's an opportunity to have a self-check on this one, an opportunity for a personal health check. Am I being lazy? You know, I think this is a, a, a good question because all of us struggle on the pathway of maturity and all of us uh, get tired of being the people and doing the things that will cause us to grow and to develop and we get lazy along the way and so it's a good health check have I become lazy and thus stagnated in my own growth Uh, if I'm having a hard time answering that maybe I should ask a mum because they're pretty good at checking that sort of stuff out but uh, now the good news is uh, what are the characteristics of maturity Uh, we've seen in in this passage that the context of maturity is one of encouragement and affirmation but there are some things, even within that context, that will stagnate people along the pathway uh, to maturing. Uh, the things that will stop them growing and they need to be addressed. But now to the other side of the coin well, what is it? What, what are some of the characteristics that we should look for that make up maturity? There are many characteristics of maturity identified in the Bible and in psychology and and in social studies and in conversations between mums at a cafe and so forth. But uh, Hebrews identifies just three in these verses. Uh, The the first one is the ability to, to distinguish good from evil. To know what is right and to know what is wrong is a sign of maturity comes up in chapter 5 and verse 14. This is one of the great goals I think of discipleship that people will be able to know what is right and to know what is wrong. Of course we want it to follow through and they'll be able to do what is right but first of all to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Not just because we tell them what to believe and what to do, in fact you know, as a person grows older, that's infantilism if they'll only do things because they've been told what to do. Maturity is being able to discern and to know for yourself what is right and what is wrong because they've been trained to listen and to think and to reflect and to decide. Paul addresses this in Romans 12, 1 and 2 where he talks about what the renewed mind will do for you that your minds may be renewed, transformed from above and that you will be able to, to know what the will of God is. And the will of God is just another way of talking about what is right and what is wrong, to be able to decide. And Paul says this is what the renewed mind does. It helps you to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. It's also what a loving mum does in taking the time to not just tell her kids what to do, but to help them come to a point of choosing the right from the wrong. And oh, the joy when the kid gets it. (laughs) Oh, the joy when you see your children choosing for themselves the right way to go, the right way to treat others, the right way to handle their own emotions. What a joy it is. And that's the goal of discipleship. It's the goal of mothering and of fathering and of just being good friends to help each other come to a point of choosing what is right and choosing what is wrong. Well, Hebrews identifies that as a characteristic of maturity. The second characteristic that identifies is developing understanding. It comes up in verse 11 of chapter 5. Hebrews states that a characteristic of immaturity is no longer trying to understand So it's logical therefore to assume that a characteristic of maturity is the drive to understand, it's the opposite. And this is the general thrust of this whole passage that we're studying this morning. No longer trying to understand in this passage is a translation of the Greek word nothros. It's more about slothfulness or laziness than it is about inability to understand. It's not that it's too hard to understand, it's that I just couldn't be bothered is the idea here and this is seen as immaturity coming to a point of I just couldn't be bothered to try to understand what it's all about and this is another expression of laziness the opposite to that I think is eagerness to learn to come to an understanding to do the hard work of growing in knowledge and it never stops for any of us We're we're never too old and never too versed up we're never over-discipled. <laughs> We're always in need of doing the hard work of understanding and of knowing what it's all about. Eager to understand, eager to learn. This is a sign of maturity that comes out in this passage. Um, uh, Peter talked about it in 1 Peter 1.13 where he says, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober." Older translations have girded up gird up your minds. A more modern translation is minds that are alert and fully sober, in other words, fully online you know fully working working as it as it should uh, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed and is coming and so the encouragement to have minds that are working well the picture here. Uh, whether it's in the local church setting or sitting with mum at home, it is one of creating an environment where learning is loved. Now my wife is really good at that. Uh, most of you know that we have, um, we've got four children, adult children now, but we have five of our grandchildren living with us and she is just so good. She was with our kids and she's just so good with the grandkids of making, learning something to be loved. A little bloke who's, um, who's in uh, first grade uh, axel he um, he 's learning his his hundred words and uh, and she 's written these words out five at a time, and she puts them around the house you know sticks them up around the house and uh, and he goes to go through a door there on the doorway, he goes to go through a doorway and she goes, ah, what 's the magic that opens the door for you to get through that and he 's got to read the words and and he, and, and now you know he stops you i 've got the magic i 'm going to read it <laughs> she just through a whole lot of little things you know she she 's really good at, at making um, learning a whole lot of fun I'm more likely to send and say okay kid now here's the words we've got to learn okay now what's that first word come on you can do it. <laughs> but she makes it fun I wish she was my teacher I'd hate me as a teacher um, and, and so you know creating that environment where learning is loved uh, I wonder you know, how, how can we apply that to the church I love the fact that it seems to me what was said this morning that your small groups are leading on Sunday mornings is that, is that a regular thing yeah I, I love that I love that, and that's bringing the life of the small groups in, into the larger gathering. I think that's terrific. Um, how, how can we make learning fun? something learning that is uh, loved? I think that's a good challenge for us in the church today. The, um, what am I up to? Number three? Yeah, the third uh, characteristic of, um of of maturity is diligence. It comes out in verse 11. The people reading this letter were, were undergoing some terrible persecution and some were at risk of giving up. And the characteristic of maturity needed at this point is that of diligence. Uh, diligence means um, earnestly and quickly doing what is best, not, not just what is acceptable, but doing what is best. Uh, it involves giving all you've got and not just a half-heartedness, uh, but it's, uh, it's faithful perseverance. Perseverance. And that's what they needed to hear. The sign of maturity is sticking at it no matter what is going on around you. And what is true for faith development as Hebrews talks about here in the midst of persecution is also true in all areas of human growth and development. We are encouraged by diligence within ourselves and within those around us when we see people faithfully sticking it out. That's a sign of maturity. The last thing on the list was the means. How, how does this happen? Now I'm not going to go into this in great depth because uh, I've been going on for a while but the um, the means that, that come out in these verses are first of all teaching. You know that truth is taught. Teaching is really important uh, for people to be able to grow in maturity and we receive teaching from people all around us. You know, We need to be those who are developing into really good listeners so that we listen uh, and, and not just to upfront teaching here and not just to teaching in a Bible study group or anything but teaching by by listening to people and what, what's going on. We can receive insight. And teaching comes out in this passage as being really important and of course it's, it's a major theme right throughout the New Testament. Uh, think of when... Paul is writing his pastoral epistles, for instance, uh, especially to Timothy. He's, he's saying, you know, you really need to be a good teacher and, and appoint, appoint men uh, who, who are, are, are really good teachers, uh, who are skilled in the art of teaching, was one of the main characteristics of, of elders uh, in the um, in the church uh, that Timothy was involved in. Um, mums are, are, are so often really good teachers. I just gave you the example of Debbie. And uh, and and you could think of your own um, examples of of uh, women in your life who are, are really good teachers. I, they they've mastered the art of being able to hand on uh, to others, and I, I I think that's a wonderful thing for us to learn from ourselves. Uh, another uh, means is imitation, and this comes up in verse twelve of chapter six. Uh, imitation, Imitating people who, who are, uh, who've got their act together. <laughs> imitating people who are doing well in this whole area of maturity. Imitating people who know what they're doing. Uh, emulating people with faith. Emulating people who are patient and who are sticking at it. Imitating them. And again, we're never too old uh, to learn from others and to imitate those people. And uh, the last one is practice, verse 14 of chapter 5. Uh, one of the pathways to maturity is through constant practice. It's a training mechanism. Um, Paul urges the Philippian church when he writes uh, to them that uh, they are to uh, imitate him and practice making these things their own. It's by constant practice that they will be trained to live in a mature way. It's by constant practice that they, Hebrew says, that they have learned to tell what is right and what is wrong. You know what? The idea of practice implies that there's going to be failures along the way. That's really important in all of this, whether we're talking about here in the church or whether we're talking about in our homes and our children and our grandchildren and the people that we love. Constant practice, learning through constant practice implies there will be failures along the way. We've just got to accept that. Sometimes the hardest uh, person to accept failure in is ourselves. We've just got to accept it. But that doesn't cause us to stagnate or to fall over or become lazy, those things that will stifle maturity. But constant practice is picking yourself up and keeping on going that's why encouragement is such a necessary context for all of this to happen. Because somebody experiences failure and they fall over, they're going to find it more difficult to stand up again and to keep on going if the encouragement is not there, if the context is not one of encouragement. And that's why Hebrews says, keep on meeting together and encourage one another and affirm one another and build each other up because that's the context that's needed especially when a person is having a hard time and failing somebody once said I don't have failures I have wins and lessons (laughs) I can learn from the failures that I have learn from the times that it doesn't go right so it's a passage that has just got so much in it isn't it we've gone for a long time and I know you're happy that I'm not the takeaways let me read this to you In the area of faith development, the process of maturing in our faith is very important and it's done in a context of encouragement that all of us have the responsibility of setting up. Within that context, we are to continue to grow up in our faith characterised by knowing good from evil, from heightened understanding and from diligence. This will come about through teaching through imitation and practice and all of that will be encouraged along the way. Of course a great description of uh, that process is in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 16 where it talks about the church built up in every way, the body of Christ built up in every way doing its works of service. Ephesians chapter 4. So that's the faith development that Hebrews is talking about. I've been trying to apply that Uh, to the broader context of human development. Now, I know human development involves faith development, but the broader development, all of this can also be applied to general human development, the growth from child to adult, from infant to mature and onward. The process should never stop. Mums are champions at this and we applaud you today. And it's not just a role for mums. All of us have a role to play in the human growth and development of those around us as we teach, as we exemplify. In other words, be people that can be imitated and as we encourage. May God help each one of us be as good as our mums at doing this. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you that you are a great uh, a great wonderful Father to us who uh, is this way inclined that you have set up a context of encouragement and given us people in our lives to encourage us and it's with that in mind that we think of our mums and uh, the people around us who have uh, given so much to us uh, to help us along the way please help us to be the same Father we uh, thank you for this uh, teaching on maturity from your word and uh, we apply that to us as, as your people today. And please help us to uh, become a people who are able to discern what is right and what is wrong and be so committed to living what is right and to picking ourselves up when we blow it. And thank you for the people that you have given uh, for this church thank you that you've uh, encouraged uh, these people uh, to be those who will encourage one another and may that continue, I pray. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.